All right, hello everyone, welcome. This is the Fulixa Espresso Riding Podcast. Um, I was just trying to think what episode number we're on and I don't recall which one it is. I think it's 12 or 13, but uh, by any means we have uh, Jared, and I don't want to butcher your last name, Jaeger. Uh Okay, Jared Jaeger. Um, He's a master student (laughs) at UNLV. Um, Really excited to have him on the show. I think it's going to be a good one. He's currently doing a study that um, we'll get into in a moment. Um, But how about we uh, start things off and you just give a little introduction about yourself. All right. Well, I'm uh, born and raised in Las Vegas. Uh, I actually grew up playing hockey, but uh, in the last uh, two, three years, really got into cycling with uh, Rider Recovery in town. And so it started to take off. And then with uh, my advisor, Dr. Mercer, being a big triathlete, really got into doing uh, cycling research at UNLV. So I was finishing up my master's and then... uh, Getting ready to move on to see what the next step is. Nice, nice. Um, you've been in Vegas your My, whole life? Yeah, last 25 years. Okay. You still liking it? Uh, or you want to move out? I like Vegas in the winter. I'm, I'm getting tired of the summers. I want to get to somewhere that's a little bit nicer, like Colorado area, something like that would be yeah. pretty nice to get into. And that's a great area for this kind oh, yeah. of research as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into the, um, the, the you know, the meat, meat and potatoes of this thing. Um, your study, um, I don't know much about it. All I know really is that you're um, looking at the effects of um, cycling on a trainer or ergometer, I guess, if we want to call it, um, versus on the ground, just like regularly, right? Yeah. Um, so how about you take us through, you know, what exactly the study is, uh, the objectives of the study, and like maybe then we'll get into the methods. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, the whole reason we start is, I mean, there's. There's a lot of literature that's out there on cycling, but most of it's done on a stationary trainer indoors, or it's done on a actually a massive uh, cycling uh, treadmill. But uh, a lot of people in practical use feel the differences between if you go outside and you're going to go ride for a period of time, or if you're going to sit on a trainer and ride for a period of time. And not a whole lot is dipped into that. Some research has, and it's looked and seen some. Uh, energy efficiency differences so we wanted to kind of get more in depth than looking at how your power which a lot of people use as a metric to train now how that's affected look at how your muscle activation uh, patterns can change so uh, that that's where the basics were so we just really wanted to see if you're working at uh, a certain intensity level while cycling on a stationary trainer if that's similar or different to actually working on uh, when you go outside, you're going to ride for however that feels for that intensity. Okay, so so if I'm understanding correctly, the methodology went something like you got an individual to cycle on a trainer at a specified power, and then do that same power on just regularly, not on the trainer. So actually, what we did is um, we actually wanted to measure power and see if uh, you're going to put out a different power on a trainer versus when you're outside. So okay. we had we went off a, a perceived exertion scale. So. Uh, sub-maximal intensities of like a, a, a light training intensity would be like a moderately hard intensity and then like a hard training intensity. So we had them do that uh, three times on a, a loop I had set up at the parking lot at UNLV. For, it was about a 400 meter loop, so it was good enough for them to be able to really get going, get themselves moving. And then they also did that on uh, Oahu Kicker Stationary Trainer. So it wasn't a regular rolling resistance one with your trainer tire on there. You actually took your back wheel off and set it on a cassette on the trainer. So. It actually, uh, even I think that even is a little bit different than what I think a lot of people are used to because they just have the regular rolling resistance trainers. Right. So then we were, we were doing is when they were working at each intensity level, we measured how active uh, the muscles are of the right leg, and then we also measured how much power they were putting out for each one, and then we, that's what we'll be compared. 
Okay, cool. So, so how many how many uh, participants were in the study? So we had eleven, um, and it got kind of hard just because we have to we could only do the research on the weekends at UNLV because we had to mark off sections of the parking lot, you know, for participant safety. But since there's classes and everything in session, you can't use it during the week. So between that and scheduling around events that Thomas and Mac was having. We couldn't get quite as many people in right now. I said we might be doing more here in the future, but we only got 11 in. But the hard part is, just like with any metric with heart rate or power or anything, we, I had the power meter drop out on me for about four of them. So I actually got seven people's worth oh, of power data, but... Um, Unfortunate. Unfortunately, <laughs> but there, there's, there's hopefully more to come with that. Yeah. See if we can get some more before we... Uh, go too far with it but for what we found it still actually found some pretty interesting stuff okay so let, let's get into the into the results then so you you have so just to recap we have uh, seven participants there, not 11 and they um, they're doing a, a bout on the trainer and about on a, on a loop you've got set up in a parking yeah. lot as well yes. so uh, let, let's get into what you found in terms so of the results. the interesting part is that uh, when we're looking at the power data when we, when we run our regular stats we run everything together as one big group and so as one big group we didn't find anything actually different between overground and stationary cycling which was really interesting to us because anecdotally you feel a difference when you're when you're riding on a stationary trainer and riding overground. So, just, so how long was the bout? So the bout was four minutes. So okay. you and it's just it's just a time constraint. Uh, yeah. Just especially the heat when you're riding outside. You don't want it's, don't want people riding for two hours sitting in the dead heat when you're sitting on a trainer. Yeah. So they rode for four minutes, but just had that submax intensity, and then uh, they did that for the stationary. And then they stopped, and then they did it again at the stationary again at the next higher intensity. Stopped and went up one more intensity level from light to medium to hard. And then they did that overground. Um, so as a group, we found no differences. But the interesting thing is, we went through and broke it down. There's actually a lot of individual responses. So we had some people where they put out more power when they were riding overground, and a lot, and then more people who were putting out uh, different power outputs when they were on the stationary was higher there. And I think a lot of that to do with we had a wide variety of, of cyclists that we brought in. Oh, okay, so when you say wide variety, are you talking about maybe triathlete versus road or versus mountain bike? So we had all, it was either road or triathlete, but we had uh, some really competitive triathletes, few really competitive cyclists, and then we kind of went down from there. We had someone who, uh, one of our triathletes only did a few triathlons, was just getting into it, and then another uh, few participants were just uh, Weekend coffee shop riders who rode three, four times a week, but weren't avid, serious, two hundred a mile a week training. Right. So we had a, a real wide variety of people, and so it was interesting to see how it kind of changed from person to person over time. Yeah. It's just you didn't see any stats differences, just because when you group it all together, you lose some of those right individual stuff. So basically, like the uh, statistically speaking, we couldn't really uh, decipher any changes in like like muscle. Um, muscle like recruitment I guess so what we did see is that your power output which you'd expect uh, kept going up every time you went up intensity just because you're working harder so you can put out more power right and so we saw this similar trend to your muscle activity where uh, with each muscle with your quads your hamstrings your glutes and your calf it kept going up with intensity the interesting thing that we found was and again it takes more time to dig further and further into it but there was no differences with most of your muscles between your overground and your stationary, but your glute muscle is actually a lot more active uh, at all of your intensities when you're riding on the over when you're riding just regular overground versus the stationary. Okay, so okay, so the 
the muscle recruitment is the same, but a lot of people, you know, they like me myself. I hate riding on the trainer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, if I had to do like say, you know, twenty minute FTP test or something, I, I guarantee like my power would be like thirty watts lower. So, if it's not a different muscle being recruited, uh, what are your thoughts on on maybe why some people find it easier on a trainer versus? easier outdoor or vice versa? I do think there is some differences in muscle uh, activity output. What we haven't got into yet just because of time constraints is, and we're going to in the next couple weeks, is really start looking at the individual people and see the people who are putting more out on the, uh, put more power on the overground, how is their muscle activity on the overground? And then vice versa with the people more on the stationary. So we have very few people who actually kept it the same uh, between both. But I think there's a massive mental factor to it because a lot of people especially if they don't do a lot of stationary training they don't want to sit on they don't have as much fun sitting on a trainer versus going outside and getting on the road for uh, a nice hard ride and so there's a massive mental part i think that plays a part of this that we didn't really get into a whole lot i guess as well the the study design might have to change a little bit right to like get that that um that mental factor in there because you you probably want someone to sit on the trainer for like 60 minutes yeah and then maybe do a time trial outside on on like a nice long straight road for like the same amount of time yeah so for our what we were doing is uh, we're really just trying to just start somewhere because there's nowhere especially with muscle activity that really compares the two mm-hmm. and other literature has seen differences in power out between between uh, stationary riding and overground riding but those are all sprint for a minute sprint for three minutes it hasn't been sub-maximal riding which is yeah. a lot which is the name of the game with a lot yeah. of training so um, this is really just trying to get a basic start and really see what we found with this and now we can have a stepping it, yeah. stone and move move up from there. Yeah, and I think I think that's important to point out. Like with the, you know, I've, I've done uh, you know some academic research myself, and you do have to start somewhere, right? Because there's so so many places you can go, and like especially when you're trying to get a degree done, you don't want to like throw everything in the kitchen sink into oh, yeah. it because you're going to be working on it for like three years <laughs> and like never graduate. So I definitely appreciate the fact where you know, yeah, everyone can point out the limitations and all the holes and and whatever, but you need a starting point, right? Yeah. That's like, you gotta... And, and we were trying to keep this practical, because I know there's a lot of people who, who yeah. use power as a metric when they're trained, they gotta stay at whatever wattage they are. Um, a lot of people use heart rate. We are trying to take this even more basic and just go off just a, a real functional, just uh, self-perceived intensity. Right. And so, the other, my other thought is, when people are going on a hard, their hard for a stationary ride might be different than their hard on overground. Right. I mean, theoretically, it's all gonna be the same, but there's those mental differences that you can't quite measure, at least with how we were designing it. And so I, I think that's important because even though on the science side of things, it may not be as controlled, it's a lot more practically, you might be, how hard you feel hard is on a stationary, it might be different than how hard is hard is on the ground. Right, right. And I really think it's, it's how much you're used to riding on a stationary versus how much you're on the road, and how much you enjoy it too. Right, yeah, yeah. I, it's funny, like, I guess everyone has their personal experience with the trainers, like, I, I, I know for me, I enjoy doing it, you know, you can put a movie on and watch watch a TV show or whatever, or listen to music, and it makes it quite enjoyable, but as soon as you get up to those high intensities, it's nice to have, like, the surroundings, mm-hmm. and, like, actually, like, kind of see how fast you're going, I guess, and then, for me also, I don't know if you've looked into this at all, or maybe think about doing it in the future, um, when you are outside, versus on a trainer, you can get out of the saddle a little bit more. So maybe like recruit some different muscles and like give, give those other muscles a little break and that, that lets you like achieve more power, or maybe uh, go for longer without, without exhausting yourself. 
Yes. Is that something you've like looked into? So what we did for ours, we wanted to make sure everyone is in the saddle, and that's a lot of time. And the big part was, especially because on a trainer, since most of them, you can't really, your bike can't go left, right with each pedal stroke. It's harder to really maintain yourself up uh, out of the saddle on a trainer versus over ground. So just to keep it simple, we kept everyone in the saddle, but um, looking at stuff that's a lot more practical, where you're, especially if you're on an uphill or you're trying to pick up speed on straightaway, you're going to be out of the saddle. Uh, some previous research actually has looked yeah. at that, and they have seen differences between sitting on the uh, on seat and getting yeah. out of the saddle for riding. Yeah. Uh, and then how? And is there individual variation in that? Because I know, like, like you know, I, I guess like you read, you pick up a bicycling magazine, and they always recommend when you're climbing hills, oh yeah, stay seated and do like a really high cadence. Um, you know, a lot of people though, like even pros, like you know, you see Alberto Contador, he's like out the saddle like most of the time at like 60, 70 RPM versus like a Chris Room who's like sat in the saddle at like 110 RPM. Yeah. Um, I know, know per personally myself, I like to I like to stand. Like I, I, I've done a bunch of hill climbs and I think like 90% of the time I'm out the saddle. Whereas, you know, I've got friends who just like to sit down and like keep that gear spinning. I think, there, yeah, I think there's a lot of individual differences. I think, especially when you get to the practical side of it, I think if it's uh, how mentally, what, what do you enjoy more? I think a lot of it's on uh, how you train. Um, it, I, do you think it's to do with uh, the percentage of muscle fibers? Has it got anything to do with that? I haven't really looked into the percentage of muscle fibers. Because, um, I mean, all endurance athletes, right, have, they've probably got more type 1 fibers. Yeah, absolutely. Which are the more aerobic, they're, they're more uh, mitochondrial rich, mm -hmm. um, they're, they're really much better absolutely. using oxygen. And they're, they're better for that, like, um, long, slow, like, um, not long and slow, but like longer activities, right? Whereas the type 2 fibers, especially the type 2 X fibers, are for that explosive power. Now, when you do stand out of the saddle, I mean, is there a difference in the in the muscle recruitment, do you think? Or so, is it like... I, I mean, I think there's, there is actually differences between your muscle activity and uh, uh, for your muscle activity if you're in the saddle and overground. Um, and some research, depending on what they've done, is they've seen uh, when they have someone like riding on a, a treadmill, they put an incline and had them sit in the saddle and they put them on an incline and, and get out of the saddle and they saw uh, increased muscle activity recruitment in some versus the other. So I think it just depends on what muscles you're recruiting for how long. So I think that's the other thing because I know I like getting out of the saddle because I'm also impatient I'm on hills. Yeah. <laughs> so I like getting out of the saddle to get more out of each pedal stroke. But then if I try to sustain that for a longer period of time, I'm gonna I'm gonna gas out. So I'll get back in the saddle. And I know there's uh, other people that I ride with that will kill me and they'll stay in the saddle and go up or they'll or they'll uh, be out of the saddle too. So I think a lot of it has to do with uh, individual differences. What about um, this is getting off the study a bit? It's on standing and sitting, but it's an interesting topic to to discuss what about um when you stand maybe you're like you're you know you are lifted out and you are stretching your back out so you can maybe get more oxygen in easier rather than when you're sitting down so i uh, yeah you do stretch out so when you stand up you're gonna be more extended at your hip a little bit so you're gonna change how your quads are activated in your glutes because those are and your hamstrings because those are all big parts of your hips ex uh, extending um I think part of it too is uh, the oscillation of the bike, so the bike moving left to right with each pedal stroke when you're out of the saddle. Because um, we've talked with uh, researchers out of uh, uh, University of Utah, I believe, or one of the institutions up in Salt Lake, and they even say that when you ride, there's a there's just a natural left right uh, oscillation, this movement of the bike when you ride too, and so. Uh, I think that has something to do with it too, is how far you push it left or right. Um, I haven't gotten too deep into their research and really yeah. have too much of an educated yeah, yeah, opinion yeah. on that one. But uh, I think 
uh, position does. And I think also depending on uh, like how steep of a hill it is, maybe what kind of environmental factors there are with yeah. what wind. When you stand up too, there's more. There's you have more of a uh, resistance from the front, right. so that can change how hard or easy you have to work depending if you're going downhill, uphill, yeah. uh, with or without wind. Because yeah. that's that's another part of it too. Is uh, a lot of these uh, uh, studies, you just indoors, you don't take into account how hot it is, right. what the wind is. There's a few studies that have looked into it, and different temperatures have an effect, and wind changes how much drag you have when you ride, but mm -hmm. that's a practical side of it that's lost in a lot of research. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. That's interesting. Okay, br bringing it back to, to the study that you took out. Um, so, so we've talked about the methodology. We talked a little bit about the results. Um, let, let's um, talk about your thoughts on the practical learnings, the practical applications from the study. Like, um, what does this mean for like the, the, the average athlete, the pro athlete? Have, have you come to any findings or discussion points? Well, the interesting thing is because there's no significant difference that we found with the stats for a group, there's not, it, there's not I think, one set, hey, this is what's harder, what's easier. I think a lot of it is, especially what we've seen is, one, we need to dig more deep, but with what we found, it's a lot very individual. So uh, the kind of rider you are, so if you're a very serious endurance athlete uh, and you might ride more on the stationary, it might be easier. You might want to balance it out left, right, but uh, for other people, it might be you want, might want to stay on the road more as much as you can just because you're going to be putting out a better power output for whatever intensity level. Or for even one or two of the people that we tested, it's you're going to go out and compete, go compete, but stay on the station for a lot because when you're saying you're working hard for a certain period of time, you're putting out a higher power output. And again, it, it, I think it's just such a massive individual thing. I think a lot of it right now, there's not one set in stone thing. I think it depends on how much you ride, the kind of rider you are, what your goals are. Yeah. That's a big one. So if you just want to train or if you're going to compete, that, that's a big one. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I think there's a lot to do with individual preferences. Um, I think a big one as well is uh, time. Like how much time do you have to train, right? Because I think, I mean, I think it's pretty, I don't know if it's well known or if, if there's any validity to this, but um, an hour on the trainer is said to be the same as like two hours outside. So, you know, if you have a minimal amount to train, maybe you're better off going on a trainer because you are pedaling all the time you're not having to stop at stoplights or like turn corners so you're actually getting a full hour of pedaling in yeah no I see what you're saying and I mean that that's another thing that not a whole lot is dipped into that that's really interesting stuff that it's one of like from what we've seen here it's one of the things that you can get into is duration we only have people cycle for four minutes what happens when you have them cycle for an hour how do these what happens when you cycle for an hour what happens when you have them get out of the saddle and sprint for a little bit or get out of the saddle yeah. for a time period yeah. I think that has a big effect. Um, and the interesting thing too is I think it's the resistance that you, you have on a trainer is a little bit different. Where when you're on a trainer, most of your resistance is that back tire or that chain spinning on the cassette of the trainer, whatever style of trainer you have. That continuous motion where you're outside, you're gonna have minor differences in, in your hill and in, uh, incline and decline of the road. So even that 1% over a certain period of time will maybe have an effect. Uh, if you're hitting wind, if it's just really hot outside versus maybe being inside in an 80 degree controlled room. Yeah. So there's there's a lot, I think environmental factors are something that's a really yeah. big difference too that can have an effect with that as well. Yeah, for sure. Okay, um, there's some other questions I'm gonna ask you, but I'm gonna open it up to, anyone have any questions for Jared on stationary versus riding over ground? 
Okay, so you got a question? I kind of have a question. I don't know if you research. Come over here, Sergey, and ask it. Figure I'll participate. All right, Sergey. Uh, well, I guess the biggest difference to me when it's uh, road riding versus trainer is um, I don't know if your research accounts for like uh, variation in terrain when you ride in the road versus you know when you're stationary. It's pretty much consistent, you know, pace, consistent gradient and stuff like that. So how does that affect your uh, the so, data you get? So previous research uh, that we looked at, there was differences between the grade of the road. It wasn't massive, but I mean, there there is a difference. And I think how long and how far you go on that is part of it. For ours, we uh, kept everything flat. So we stayed in the UNLV parking lot because it was, especially living in Las Vegas, it's try to, try to find a nice flat portion to ride for a period of time that's not gonna have a bunch of cars on it. It's real tough. So we just stayed in the parking lot and, and kept that uh, as our flat area. And there was points where we had a drop between a plus or minus 1% on our grade, but it, it stayed mostly at zero for the area we used. So that didn't have a huge effect on ours. Uh, but again, I mean, if you have it where even it changes for a small period of time from zero to 1%, that can absolutely make a difference. So I think that's, that's another big part of it, especially for people riding in Las Vegas. How, how far are you going to go on a 0% grade anyway? Right. It, it, it doesn't happen. Right. No. On to your question, Sergei? Yeah, it's good. That's good. Any, anyone, anyone else have a question? Yeah, I have a question. Oh, so hey, Ashley. You, yeah, when you did this, the uh, trainer versus road, uh, when you, it's sort of maybe a, an additional follow-up question to his, when you, when you can take terrain did you have to average your your power of your participants because there's there, when you first take off all you, you'll you'll hit a high wattage versus once you steady out that tends to drop back down it hits like this mean area where you where you constantly are sort of riding and then if you hit a grade again I mean how do you take into account so, so basically taking into account the uh, the variations in power maybe when you're coasting down a hill or like versus sprinting for the first couple of seconds. Because on a trainer you can just, as long as you keep your your RPMs going roughly the same, uh, then uh, what, yeah, <laughs> I totally lost train of thought over here. Sorry, we got an emergency. Uh, yeah. Down. The, sorry, something really uh, funny happened. Um, we'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Uh, sorry, we're just outside the coffee shop right now, and um, someone just pulled up, and a kid looks like they passed out. But anyway, Jared, um, uh, so the question was about uh, the power and like compensating for the power. Um, when you're coasting down a hill versus uh, whatever, you know, going on. So that, there's a two part to that. So for the initial takeoff part, um, that's always something, especially when you're building up to speed and really trying to find that rhythm and, and be kind of uh, consistent and, and, and stay at whatever that intensity level you're working at is. So, well, I had them ride for four minutes and the way that we looked at the data is the first two to two and a half minutes, we just let them ride. And we just said, just keep riding, get consistent, find that intensity level so you can you can stay there. And then what we did is, after that, after about that two minutes, 
Uh, then we start uh, from there, two to two and a half minutes. That last minute to minute and a half is where that's the data we looked at. So we didn't have to worry about that takeoff as much, especially because when you're trying to find that intensity level you're going to work at, you got to shift between gears, you got to get the takeoff, get out of the saddle, then sit back down and get comfortable. So however long that takes, different people can be done in five seconds, other people might take a minute. So just give them plenty of time to get there and, and then get in that rhythm. And then what we did is we just did an average over uh, over 20 seconds just to get us a, uh, an average of the, the loop that they were doing. So that had uh, sections that were one min or that were zero percent. If we had anything that was uh, less than zero percent, maybe going on a downhill was for a very small period of time, and it was only one percent grade, and same on the uphill. So those those minor differences kind of got just brought in and kind of got lost in the. Uh, uh, and the average since we weren't looking at one individual section, especially because, especially with the the technology that's out there to, to to look at all this now is where, in, if you're in the lab, you can break it down to individual pedal strokes if you want to, and then extend out from here. We looked at just overall gross movement just because it, you don't have the cameras and things to say. So those individual uh, those variations in grade kind of got lost, uh, just or. I shouldn't say loss kind of get eliminated when you just did an overall average of the movement uh, for just 20 seconds because you're riding for 20 seconds. If you hit an uphill for, and then a downhill, those those kind of get combined and, and lost and just as a representation of the movement. It, that's how we kind of uh, adapted for that. Cool. Good answer? Yeah, okay. That was a good answer. Very thorough. All right. Um, any other questions? Oh, Scott. So. If I understand correctly, the constant you're using is the perceived level of exertion, and then you're sort of building off of that. Yeah. So did you give any thought to you just arbitrarily picking a speed for the cyclist to maintain? Maybe you have three different levels, so maintain it 14 miles an hour, 18 miles an hour, 22 miles an hour, whatever. And if, if that was what you built it off of, what are your thoughts on that as for how that would affect the study and what results you might get? So I think, in, uh, I mean, using speed or something like heart rate would be a, 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 another way to really definitively look at how hard you're working. I know some people, if you're riding at 14 miles an hour, it's real simple. Other people, maybe it's intensity or if you move up to about 20 miles an hour. I know if, I, if I'm trying to ride above 20 miles an hour on a flat ground, I'm working hard. And I know I have uh, advisors who will, that'll just be the regular training, medium intensity. Um, and so that, that's one thing that's always been a concern is using uh, perceived intensity. But there are, I think other metrics definitely would help build into this. For mine specific, I couldn't use speed because I had them riding on a 400 meter loop because that's all that I, I could get uh, approved for in the time span that I needed to collect the data. Right. Uh, if I had a bigger section, I definitely would have probably would have looked at that too, just because. Because yeah, I mean, people don't appreciate like how hard it is to like set up these research studies. Yeah. Like, it's like, well, it's tough. I mean, I if I so in the future if I would keep doing it, I would uh, I would get probably the entire UNLV parking lot, and then you could really open yourself up right. and and hit some higher speeds, and then looking at speed. We didn't have heart rate on there just because. We didn't want to have too many moving parts to affect our, our primary concerns, but I think heart rate would be a cool one to look at because there's a high relationship between uh, heart rate and perceived intensity. But perceived intensity, I don't think, was actually too too far off of really having people understand how hard they're working because with everything, with muscle activity for all of your muscles and with power output, you saw uh, it continuously increasing from a light intensity to the hard intensity. So. How how uh, specific they were with their 
perceived intensity, then, I mean, that's kind of lost because that's their own perceived intensity. But we did see increases, so they were able to say, all right, I'm right working light, working medium, or somewhat hard, and then working hard. Because you saw, and you saw that with the data, with power increased, muscle activity increased, and so on and so forth. Cool. All right. Um, we're about ready to wrap things up, but I did want to ask you um, one question before we did start to wrap things up. So. You're actually the uh, strength and conditioning coach for UNLV hockey, right? Yes. Okay, so one question I had for you, given your, your profession and, and the research, now that you kind of really know the, the muscles that are getting recruited while you're cycling, what in terms of like um, a strength and conditioning program do you think cyclists can employ to help them with their cycling? Or, you know, what a lot of people argue is that cycling is cycling, you just have to ride your bike. So but I, what's your opinion on that? I think there's a couple of things. I mean, the most specific you can get is, especially you hear people throwing around the term sports specificity or specificity, the, the closest you can get to riding outdoors is riding outdoors. Riding on a trainer is the next best thing, but uh, there's been a lot of research of late that's really shown that doing resistance training is a really big, uh, really big help to uh, endurance athletes. So, I mean, you're not gonna have to be in the, the gym five days a week doing squats and things like that, but adding some sort of uh, resistance training protocol with, with weightlifting to whatever your endurance is has actually been shown to improve different metrics, uh, cardiovascular. Um, I mean, if you have more strength, you can put more strength into each pedal stroke right. and, and things like that. So that is a, a good so, thing to add into. So when we're talking about specificity in the resistance training, what kind of exercises do you think like people should do in the gym then? Um, well, I mean, I think squats are, are a good one, and that's just because especially on the up phase of a squat, you're really activating your glutes for a hip extension. And that's, a, and that's always so important with, uh, you see that with runners and with cyclists, because uh, you're going for, especially with cyclists, a couple hour rides, you're continuously extending those hips. And especially if you get an arrow position around the handlebars, you're gonna be bent over and your hips aren't gonna extend all the way. So being able to work on really extending those hips helps push out, I think, more power per pedal stroke and really help improve some uh, work there okay. and I mean you don't have to do stuff where you go rock bottom I mean you can do stuff that's more specific to range of motion and, and right. different trainers can help you with that um, I think single leg work is very good you can do you don't have to do stuff with a barbell across your back you right. can do individual like dumbbell lunges stuff. and step lunges ups. step ups are good um, we actually have a former master student who just finished his stuff who's an endurance athlete who does a lot of uh, personal training and strength and conditioning oh, things right. too and he does uh, kettlebell work too and and that gets i mean you want to work with a trainer so you have proper form but kettlebell stuff is good too yeah. especially when you're extending through your hips and really activating those quads glutes and hamstrings yeah. and really teach them to, to work together i guess like maybe stuff for your core and your back as well just so yeah. you can like you know stay in that position for a long time oh core strength is always important um i mean when you talk about core you're really talking about not just your abs you're talking about anything that attaches to your spine and your hips so uh, your glutes your abs your lower back uh pretty much your entire trunk so all the way through there especially uh, if you're gonna be going along a long ride being able to maintain uh your strength and maintain your posture which is a big part too you don't want to have your posture right. breaking down yeah 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 so having uh, core strength is something that's always important and you see that with a lot of cyclists i mean yeah you don't have guts on them I mean, these guys are really especially really high uh, yeah, yeah. level cyclists are really strong through there too yeah because i think a lot of people think they just have to get on the bike and you know they have to be on the bike every day and they if they get in the gym that that's going to like kind of ruin their next workout or something but in actual fact 
people should probably think about it as a good supplement to their to their cycling. Absolutely, and it, and it's all about. I mean, if you're going to be on a bike and you're going to be on the bike year round, and all you're doing is cycling and training, you're going to have continuously. You're going to adapt because you're going to be able to push yourself better. But like, if you're training for competition, you can a lot of strength conditioning coaches will periodize your workouts. Yeah. So you'll have certain times so like, where you yeah, do so, okay. more strength and then you might taper out. And So during the winter, you might be like three, four days a week in the gym, but then when you get into the race season, maybe it's like one one day a week or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, it really just depends. I mean, you can do, if you're going to ride three, four times a week, be in the gym two or three times. Um, and even if you're going to do a stationary, something like that, and then really and start then It probably up. comes down to like individual preferences and individual yeah. responses, right? So uh, it's like, and that, and that's yeah. always the name of the game. I mean, you see, the, the cool thing about research is you really can get an idea of what's going on when you really look at the subject population that right. you're trying to target. But at the end of the day, there's always individual differences. Right. No two individuals are the same. Because every study, they publish the mean, the average, but as you've seen, as we all see, People always don't, don't always fit into those averages and means. There's there's people that fall <laughs> way over and below. like below. So absolutely. And and the the client you're working with or the your friend could be one of those people. You mm -hmm. just don't know. Exactly, um, and that's that's why I think uh, especially. Uh, and I, I don't do a lot of training with endurance athletes. It'd be something cool to get into. But one or two of the uh, the people I come in are actually in, uh, endurance coaches along with uh, endurance uh, cyclists themselves. And it's always cool picking their brain because they start seeing the benefits uh, that they see with, with with different things. And it's at the end of the day, it is always just super specific. I mean, yeah. you, you can't sit there and have one workout work for 20 people. I mean, you can have do circuit training and circuit work with a, if you have a group of people coming into work. But any of the most of the trainers who are doing that are also know there's individual things within that that they're having each person work on more here or more there to help with whatever they specifically need. Right. There's there's no two people are the same, so you're not gonna have two two out of you're gonna have two adaptations for the same workout that are completely different. Right, right. No, it's, it's fascinating stuff. It's like uh, with, with my studies on the nutrition side as well. Just the individual responses are just like insane sometimes. Absolutely, it's like insane. Um, Okay, I think we're coming up to the end. Um, well, so when's the when's it going to be published? Do you think it's going to get published? And so well, I I do this my defense. So the stuff just within UNLV that's going to be within a month. Publication we're hoping we'll hope to get it within the next few months. Yeah. Um, part of the conversation when I talk with my committee is going to be: Do I need to collect more more people for publication? And part uh -huh. of it is you have your own battles with people who. To publish literature with these journals on what they specifically want. Right, yeah. So it's 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 getting keeping the science where you where you like or worth what it says while still meeting criteria they have. Right. So that's going to be a, a long topic of conversation. And there's different ways to analyze the data to get it out there too. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it hopefully soon, but. It, probably at least a few months for yeah. the paper to get out there. But. No, no, good luck with it. Um, no, I'm, I'm really glad we got you on the show. I think, you know, it's opened up um, hopefully people's eyes to like the what UNLV is doing. I don't think uh, people maybe realize like, uh, you know, the academics and the staff down there and the work they're doing, especially specific to endurance sports. Yeah, there's um, a lot of endurance things that come out of Yeah. There's a lot of swimming and running that come out of there too. Yeah, so, um, you know, I think, I think we'll look forward to getting uh, some other people on the show soon to talk about it because it's really fascinating stuff. And um, you know, I think we all we all appreciate the science behind this, and it's always fascinating to to get that hard data about stuff, so it can you know inform everyone, and maybe they can put it into their own practice. Um, but yeah, uh, sorry for the midway interruption. We had we're outside the Dutch Brothers Cafe near UNLV, and uh, there was a little bit of an emergency with a, a child uh, passing out from heat, probably or something. I'm guessing. 
but uh, Jared handled it really well. <laughs> I think I did as well. Um, everything seems to be okay. The ambulance is here and we're all fine. Um, but Jared, thank you very much. Um, I appreciate you coming out to speak with us um, and uh, yeah, hope you get published and maybe we'll talk again in a year or so when you're your doctor or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun being out yeah. here and we'll talk. All right. Thank you. All right. See you later, everyone.